This is episode 120 with Dr. Happy. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Dr. Tim Sharp, aka Dr. Happy, is an internationally renowned leader in the field of positive psychology. He's a sought-after speaker and facilitator, consultant and coach, writer and podcaster, spokesperson and brand ambassador. This is the second episode with Dr. Happy. Way back in episode 23, I sat with him in his office in Sydney and we discussed all things happiness and health. This was one of the most well-received episodes on Your Life of Impact, actually, this first one with Dr. Happy. And because of the great feedback, I've been wanting to get him on to share his value even more with you legends. This episode, this second episode with him, it explores less around the happiness concept because that's what we talked a lot about in the first one. And we dive into understanding depression a lot better. It's not all we talk about, but it's a big part of what we talk about here. And I can tell you now, this chat left me a lot more knowledgeable of this condition due to Dr. Happy's knowledge, but also his experience and vulnerability to open up about it. If this episode leaves you wanting to reach out and speak to somebody, I highly recommend reaching out to the professionals through an organization like Lifeline, and you can reach them on 13 11 14. In this episode, we also discuss post-traumatic growth, what it is and how you can benefit from it, resources to help you move from tragedy to triumph, how the charity called Batia triggered Dr. Happy to speak out more about his mental health issues. Now, just a little reminder here to everyone, because Tim mentions Batia in this episode and we spoke about them in a lot more detail in our first episode. A little reminder that Batir is a youth mental health charity that he is heavily involved with and I've been an ambassador for over the years as well. And you can check out their details in the show notes of this episode and Tim also gives their website details as well. We also discuss the different types of depression and why antidepressants are not always the answer even when diagnosed with the condition. We discuss how Dr. Happy's strengths are also his triggers for his depressive states. This is really interesting. I've never heard someone talk about this before. We discuss why he is so vulnerable about his mental health battles and how important it is to smash the stigma. We also cover core concepts to ensure one's happiness and how you can help spread the happiness, inspiration and positivity even more in the world. You'll also hear me mention that I gave the opportunity for members in our private podcast Facebook group to ask questions to Dr. Happy. If you want to have an opportunity to contribute to some of these podcast episodes and either give direct questions or topics that you'd like covered with the amazing guests, come and join us in that group. Also, if you're keen to get free one-on-one coaching with me, I'm giving away I've decided once a month, I'm going to give away a 60-minute coaching session with me, a one-on-one coaching session to members in this private Facebook group. What type of coaching? Well, it's any area of your life that you need or want. We'll tailor it to you. So it can be mental strength training, emotional intelligence work, mindset coaching, physical coaching, nutritional and gut health support, whatever it is that you need. These sessions are done online if you win them, so you can be anywhere in the world and we'll work together to enhance and optimize your life. So you can join the group by jumping onto Facebook and searching the group section for Your Life of Impact podcast community. Plus, I'll also be jumping on and giving random value bombs and live Q&As in that group. As Dr. Happy stresses about in this chat, 
social media can be used to help celebrate positivity, inspiration and happiness and that's what I want this group to be about and also about immense value for you guys that are in there as members. Okay, one more little thing before we do hear from Dr. Happy. Reading a quick iTunes review. Now, this one came from Luke from Central West New South Wales. And Luke says, G'day legend, I'm a farmer from Central West New South Wales. This drought has worn a lot of us down emotionally. Your podcast has provided positivity and lightens my day as I go about farm work. It is one of the tools I use to keep my mood positive. Your energy is infectious. Keep up the good work, Robbo. Oh, that actually gives me goosebumps and makes me feel a little bit emotional, actually. I'm stoked, Luke, that uh, you feel that way. And to be honest, until reading this review, I hadn't even considered that that can be the impact through the farming community and what you guys are dealing with. And, and after reading this review just recently, I was telling someone else about it and they said, yeah, I, I have a friend who's a farmer who's said exactly the same thing about your podcast, Robbo. So that's awesome. I mean, I wish I could do more to help, but to know that you can plug in a podcast and that's the power of podcasts, right? Whether it's this one or any of your other favorite podcasts, that's why I'm addicted Regardless of what's going on in our external environment, we can still find that that uplifting inspiration and that positivity in the world, even if there is a lot of negativity floating around. So, mate, thank you for uh, taking the time to write that review and, and all the best with everything too, Luke. Um, yeah, a little shout out to Luke there. And if you're listening to this on the tractor, uh, yeah, hopefully that uh, this episode might not uplift the mood a little too much, but it should provide uh, a lot of value. But yeah, thanks again, mate. Great, greatly, greatly appreciated. Same to everyone who takes the time and effort to write those reviews. Okay, now let's hear from the legend himself, Dr. Happy. So, Tim, I've heard you discuss this concept before and I'd love to unpack it with you and that's post-traumatic growth. What does that actually mean? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. It's a great question and it's, it's actually, it might sound weird, but it's sort of one of my favorite concepts within psychology. Uh, and that's largely because, um, well, up until fairly recently, I, like many other people, had really only heard of post-traumatic stress. So um, as some of your listeners might know, if they listen to our first podcast, my background is in clinical psychology. And as a clinical psychologist, all we studied was post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which just very briefly is um, a very severe, it can be a very severe psychological disorder, usually following a life-threatening event. Um, that's, um, you, you know, the main symptoms involve things like flashbacks and nightmares and hyperarousal, being very vigilant and, and usually, you know, high levels of, of distress um, when associated with whatever that trauma might be, like a, an assault or a motor vehicle accident or something like that. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, that's a widely known, widely researched and, um, uh, you know, sadly can, can have a significant imp- impact on a lot of people's lives. But, but what we also know and what's thankfully received a lot more attention in, in recent years, I suppose it's been a quite a while now, but uh, is, is another phenomenon. That's that um, not everyone that experienced trauma goes on to develop PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. In fact, only a relatively small percentage do. So out of those, for example, that experience some sort of life-threatening event like, a, say, a serious motor vehicle accident, um, probably only somewhere between 10 and 20% will develop PTSD. Another small percentage will, will have some sort of mild to moderate symptoms, but this is where it gets interesting. The majority of people will recover fairly quickly, and by that I mean within a matter of weeks or maybe a month, depending on the severity of the event. Um, so the majority of people, at least 70 if not 80%, get back into a normal life, return to normal functioning, feel reasonably okay, if not fine, um, fairly quickly. And in fact, it's actually even more interesting than that because when we go back and ask these people about the nature of the event or about the impact it's had on their lives, um, again, depending on the person, depending on the, the severity or the nature of the event, if we ask them a month or maybe three or six months, depending, uh, you know, what impact did that really have on you, um, a significant number will say that in some way or other it had a positive impact. And by that, they mean not that it was a pleasant event because by definition it was traumatic, it was distressing, but in some way or other, it led to them 
becoming stronger, becoming wiser, uh, growing in some way. And that's where we come up with this idea of post-traumatic growth, the idea that um, I, I guess, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, that, that many of us, uh, when we experience difficulties, can actually learn to become better, stronger, maybe more mature, more wise. And that's, uh, that's actually a positive thing. What is it that you've experienced then that, that for the people who do have trouble moving forward, maybe so either the ones that do end up with post-traumatic stress disorder or if it, it doesn't get to that diagnosed state, but they're still feeling a bit stuck and a bit victim mentality of the circumstances that might have happened to them. What are the main things that sort of keep people preventing them from moving into that post-traumatic growth stage that you've found? Yeah, well, look, it's, it's a complicated one because it really, it's important that, you know, that everyone's different, every situation's different. Um, uh, you know, the severity of events can obviously vary considerably. So it's a little bit hard to say, but but what we know, I, I guess that one of the simple things, and this is a bit of an oversimplification, but um, you know, one of the simple things we find with people that do move on and, and become stronger learn, is is the idea that um, they well, there's a couple of things I suppose that they they see that event as as that as an event, um, uh, not something that necessarily defines them. So you know, what happened to me isn't me. Um, you know, that 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 assault, that accident was one moment in my time it's not my whole life and also that um uh, again although it was unpleasant or that was uh, maybe horrific even in some situations you know what can i learn from this they have a uh, i guess an, an attitude of um curiosity and and um uh, an idea that they might be able to take something positive even out of the most out of the darkest times. Now, admittedly, that's easier said than done, um, and some people find it easier than others. But they're the sorts of things that I guess you know. When, when we, you know, if I was, if I put my therapist cap on, if I was talking to someone, we'd, we'd, what we'd be trying to help them do is to see that the event, um, you know, it's not permanent. Uh, it it has, doesn't last forever. That it's not everything. Even though one part of your life might have been um, affected, it doesn't mean everything in your life was affected. Um, and, and also that it wasn't your fault. This is one of the other things, I guess, that we see um, with people that um, find difficulty moving on is, is a lot of self-blame and self-criticism that, you know, maybe I should have done more. Why didn't I prevent it? Uh, um, whereas other people say, well, you know, I guess I did the best I could under the circumstances. It was really difficult. Um, maybe I could have done more, but that's easy to say in hindsight. Again, you know, I did all I could as best I could. Let's Let's move on and learn from here. So, you know, so there's, there's those attitudinal differences which um, uh, some people make easily and some people can actually make almost immediately, but other people, I guess we need to help them do that uh, as best they can, as soon as they can. Yeah, I love that. And that's that understanding of how to, to shift that mindset and um, to, like you said, that for people to understand they are not the event that happened to them. Mm. They, it's just an experience that they've had. What's some resources that people can sort of tap into to help with this? And and maybe it's your book that Tragedy to Triumph could actually be a good one because I found that really helpful for me with understanding how other people use their tragedy to build triumph and to go into that post-traumatic um, growth. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, well, thanks for that plug. Um, and that's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so tragedy, from tragedy to triumph um, was uh, it was for type of those. Then it's a collection of stories, really, a collection of pretty powerful stories of about. Um, Oh gosh, I can't remember now. I think there was about 10 people, 10 or 11, 12 people, uh, who all in some way or other had experienced some tragedy, but in some way or other had turned it into triumph, had, had made something positive out of it. So, so that's, um, you know, I think we can all benefit from reading stories and, and it, it, readers might not relate to all 12 of the stories, but there'll almost certainly be one or two in there where they'll say, oh, you know, that's, that's a bit like me or mine is a bit like that. What can, you know, this helped Joe or this helped him, you know, have, what, what, maybe it would help me. Um, so that's a sort of anecdotal, you know, the, the idea that's becoming more and more popular now that sharing stories can be very powerful. Um, but there's obviously some more, um, I guess, more technical or more clinical resources, some more self, oh, sorry, actually, if I just go back a step, most of the people in that collection have also written their own books. Um, uh, so that's it, you know, if you want an even more detailed account. But then there's more clinical or technical advice. Uh, I mean, here in Australia, um, there's some great websites, including, you know, Beyond Blue, uh, Sane Australia, RUAK uh, okay Day, the Black Dog Institute, all of those ones have have some really good resources on them to help cope with 
uh, well, with, with not just PTSD, but depression, anxiety, and, and the other common mental health disorders. And, and again, depending on where people live, um, when we're talking about resources, there's obviously um, professional help available. So in, in, particularly in the more severe, more extreme cases, seeing something like a clinical psychologist um, is, you know, is, is certainly worth considering. Absolutely. And I'll link some of those up in the show notes again too for people to refer back to. Now, before we dive in deeper, Dr. Happy, want to say welcome back to Your Life of Impact. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, Robbo. It was almost 100 episodes ago, actually, that you graced us with your authentic and valuable presence. And oh, in that episode, we uh, we dived into a lot of aspects of happiness and parts of your life. And so for everyone listening who hasn't heard it or needs a refresher of awesomeness, I suggest you go back <laughs> to episode number, number 23. But I've been wanting to get you back on for a long time because I still receive a lot of great feedback on that episode. And one of the things that you opened up about was the fact that you had experienced depression in your life and not just once. And I think a lot of people related to that. And you also discussed telltale signs and what has helped you in your dark times. So I want to elaborate on that a little bit, but First of all, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your truth with that because, you know, it can be quite tough, but you know better than all of us the, the, the power and the importance of being vulnerable. But secondly, I just want to read this little sentence from an email that I received almost a year ago from uh, a listener of that episode. And by the way, I've contacted this guy to ask if you mind me sharing this part in which he was happy to and without mentioning names. So I'll just read this little sentence. It said, on a drive today, I listened to episode 23 with Dr. Happy and it made me cry uncontrollably only because we lost my daughter's boyfriend to suicide less than two weeks ago. I slash we feel we could have done more, although just two weeks ago did not have the tools to help. He's left a huge hole in our family in which he was loved. He was three weeks away from his 18th. I so wish I had listened to this episode sooner. As they say, timing is everything. And unfortunately, Tim, we know that this is not a rare case these days. And I just wanted to bring that up to, to me, that highlights the, the power of you know, sharing stories and your mm. value. What goes through your mind when you hear something like this? Oh, just extreme and utter sadness um, that another life is lost. Um, and sadly, there's way too many as you said it's you know it's 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 not a uh, unfortunately it's not an unusual event you know here in australia alone there's um uh eight people uh take their lives uh, every day and six of them are men um young men so um and then you know and those numbers are pretty much um can be replicated kind of almost all around the world obviously it varies a bit from country to country for different reasons but um but yeah just complete sadness that um you know that something more couldn't have been done a bit earlier. That 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 man didn't didn't listen to the to the podcast a couple of weeks earlier. That more people didn't talk about it. But I, I was supposed to come back to your sort of introduction. This is this is why I talk about it. Um, it's um, it's something that I've probably only only done relatively recently in my my life. So um, by that I mean the last probably four, five, maybe six years. And it's something that's really been inspired by a group that you and I both know very well uh, called Batir, B-A-T-Y-R, uh, batir.com.au for those who are interested, who's, who's real, um, you know, wh whose reason for being is about smashing the stigma. And, and if I go back to um, to my depression, which which I've had pretty much, and I continue to have all of my adult life. So um, to be honest, I didn't really experience uh, that many difficulties through through my youth and, and even early adolescence, I guess probably later in adolescence and just towards the end of high school and, and just after high school is when it was at its worst. Um, but I didn't talk about it uh, for many, many, in fact, several decades. I was going to say many years. It's actually several decades. So apart from my immediate family, um, my mum, my dad, my brother, my sister, um, and then probably a bit later apart from my wife, uh, no one knew about it. And even my wife probably didn't know all the details, even though I've been honest with her, because she wasn't there through the absolute worst of it. But it has continued. And, and as most people with depression would know, um, it, well, for me anyway, it, it never really goes away. It fluctuates, so there's good and bad times, but it's pretty much always there. Um, and uh, But again, I, like most people, I never spoke about it. So you know, my best friends, 
my colleagues, no one really knew. And, uh, and there are a variety of reasons for that that uh, maybe we'll come back to later. But, but it was when I discovered Batir, who, again, whose who's, um, uh, who's purpose is to smash the stigma about six or seven years ago, and I, I became very, and I continue to be very involved in them, that, that changed my life significantly. And they're, you know, they're all about sharing stories um, and making people feel that it's okay not to be okay. And that was really the, the impetus that, um, that made me um, come out. I, I talk about coming out of the closet, so to speak. Um, and uh, it's not really because I don't, I don't enjoy telling the story necessarily. I'm, I'm a very private person. I'm quite an introvert. Um, but I couldn't help but think that um, you know, if I'd heard some of these stories years earlier, if Batir had been around earlier, if, if more people were sharing, and thankfully there are now, but you know, if people have been sharing 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, that that would have helped me. I just know it would have. Um, and so I thought, well, I, I can't sort of sit back and encourage other people to share their stories through Batir and through other organisations without necessarily getting involved myself. So, um, so that's really where you know I, I started to come out. And, and in fact, I, I sent before I sort of really came out publicly, I sent an email to a couple, a group of my, my closest friends from you know oldest friends from school, and thinking really, to be honest, thinking that they just sort of say, yeah, okay, mate, we've known this for a while because I. Look, I made two attempts on my life, and I and I just assumed that people knew about it. In fact, one of them, a good friend, was I was living in a house with him at the time, so I kind of just assumed that he would have told our other friends. But um, but I was wrong, and in fact, he he hadn't really told anyone. They were all amazingly surprised, um, which just shows what a, a a good face I can put on, I suppose, or like many of us can put on a good mask. Um, and I was surprised by their surprise. I couldn't believe that they didn't know. And, and again, it just reinforced the idea that we've, we need to be more open. We need to talk more because if, you know, if my best friends didn't really know what I was feeling, um, then they can't help. And that's what this is all about. It's, it's not about telling my story just so people can listen. It's not about I don't want sympathy or even empathy to that, you know, that, that, in that way. What, what I want is for people to be able to share their stories and, and open up so they can get help, so they don't suffer as much as I suffered, so we don't lose more lives like that poor poor man. Or, you know, that, that could have been me. Um, and I guess, thankfully, it wasn't. Well, your personal experience with depression, it obviously it wasn't just in the past. It obviously still impacts you. And I want to touch on your vulnerability again here. You tagged me and many other impactful organisations in an Instagram post And I'd like to read that and then just discuss it a little bit. It's a black and white picture of you, just a close-up of your face with your eyes closed. And you've written here, this is me, unable to face the world. Not today, but many days I feel like this, hopeless, helpless, bleak and depressed. If I do open my eyes, all I see is hate and intolerance, inequality and unfairness, short-sightedness and ignorance. I know there's more. I know there is also beauty and kindness and love and understanding. Yet, they're so hard to see and believe in some days. But thankfully, this is what I've learned, that these days are just some days, not all days. And every day has a sun that will set. Every dark night is followed by a new bright morning. So when I remember this, I regain hope and I can imagine opening my eyes again and taking in the world. When when I read that, I feel like, you know, I hear that vulnerability come out and just based on what you were saying, it makes sense and it ain't weak to speak, as you said, and uh, your your experience here would obviously resonate with thousands of people. What I'd love to understand from you is why do you believe that you still experience these darker depressive moments? Because correct me oh. if I'm wrong, sorry to jump in, but I believe mm. you're, a, you're a healthy man with your food and exercise, you're a great family mm. man with really good friends, relationships, you obviously understand you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy and how to coach your mindset and your internal dialogue and your emotional regulation. So I'm really intrigued mm. why you believe that you still experience these moments. Yeah, but that, that's a really good question and it's a tough question to answer, I suppose. Um, uh, I think there's a, a number of answers, um, and I think one of them is almost certainly biology. I mean, I think um, you know the, the research is still 
uh, really mixed on this, and I suppose, and, and that's why I want to answer very carefully. But, but there's almost certainly a sort of a biological or physiological or genetic, depending on which way you look at it, contributed to to mental ill health, including depression. And um, and you know, I, I I don't have any doubt that I have some of that, but I also don't I don't want to blame that, and I and I also don't think that's a hundred percent. So I I also think that I try, as you said, I try to do the best I can to manage it. So I, I'm very knowledgeable, intellectually knowledgeable about what I need to do. Um, and I do a lot of it fairly regularly, but that doesn't mean I'm perfect. Um, and like everyone else, um, although I try to do the best I can to manage, well, actually I do very well with my physical health. Um, I probably don't do as well with my psychological health, um, but I do the best I can imperfectly um i suppose what i've come around to in recent years is is to try and this is really hard but to try and see that in answer to your question why do i still experience it well one of the reasons i still experience depression is because of my strengths now that might sound really weird but my strengths my most probably most valuable positive attributes are things like um social connectedness empathy um uh, i'm very high i i I believe in fairness and, and I believe in, um, you know, things being right for as many people as possible. So when I see injustices, for example, in the world, that physically hurts me. Um, when I see dishonesty and when I see, you know, lack of integrity, when I see um, people being hurt, it's not just an intellectual phenomenon for me. It's not just, oh, that's wrong, you know, we need to fix it. I physically feel it in every cell in my body. Um, and that's extremely painful, extremely painful. Um, you know, I can be brought to tears hearing about other people on the other side of the world and, and you know, friends or when I mean, my mother asked me, but, but that's not your life, you know, why does it hurt? And, but for me it is because I feel very connected. Now that's, that's both one of my strengths and that's what's led to me doing what I do and trying to help other people. But it can also be my downfall because that can, uh, as I said, it can really hurt me. It can really make me feel um, a lot of distress and depression. You, having identified those triggers, do you try and avoid exposing yourself to those kind of things, knowing that it can trigger it? Well, yes and no. I, I certainly need to take breaks every now and then. So I, I need to. I take holidays from from the news or from social media sometimes because it's. Um, yeah, that that's where I'm mostly exposed to it. But, but the, the reality is, my my real life is exceptionally good. Um, and you touched on this earlier. And if, if someone was to look at someone was to look in from the outside and look at, um, you know, I'm I'm compared to most people in the world. You know, I'm I'm extremely wealthy. I'm extremely privileged. I'm physically healthy. I, as you said, I've got a, a wonderful family. I've got good friends. I mean, you know, there's it's just tick 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 after you know box after box of things that should mean I have a great life. And 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 I do in many ways. I do, and I do recognise that, and I'm extremely grateful for all of those things. Um, but that's. Um, but my brain works in a slightly different way. That's that's not all it is for my. You know, my life is more than that. And I said, uh, as I said, sorry, I find it hard not to connect with other people in the world. If even if it's some other, you know, if a bomb goes off in a uh, in a, a mosque in New Zealand or a, a church in Sri Lanka, that hurts me. It's painful to think that there are people in the world filled with such hate so look yes i do need to take breaks from that I, I do need to and i do sort of take holidays from news and social media which is where where most of my exposure because again I, i'm not exposed to a lot of horrible things in my real life it's pretty good um, but at the same time i don't want to completely disconnect from that because that would be disconnecting from what i from what i'm passionate about i'm passionate about um trying to help people trying to make a better world um, so it's a fine balance and i suppose what i try with some difficulty to achieve is is to get that balance right whereby I can use that passion and use my attributes and strengths to maybe do some good in the world and that, that's all I live for is to try and do some good in the world uh, without being so overcome that I then become paralysed and, and useless uh, to everyone, including myself. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I think you've just answered the next question. We, we have a private Facebook community for this podcast and I gave all the members an opportunity to provide a question for you and I wanted to read one from, from Rod, and I feel like you just covered it then, but see if it triggers anything else. He asked, 
how does Dr. Happy keep the tempo up? I know what I need to do to be a better me. However, I have found myself fall short at times and slip into a rut. You've mentioned many times that working on yourself is hard. Yes, it is. And at times I feel like I'm really progressing. And then other times I feel like I've lost the plot and I'm not 100%. Oh, look, I, <laughs> I, I totally relate to Rod. I mean, I, I feel... Um, I feel like that a lot of the time. Um, other people can't necessarily don't necessarily see it. I, I suppose what are the, what um, what I can manage most of the time is um, is is to get out and do what I need to do or want to do, despite not feeling like doing it. Uh, so I don't often um, go to bed and cover my you know pull the dinner up. Um, I, I do do that at times. I need to do that at times, and in fact. There are times when it is virtually quite literally difficult to get out of bed. But if I have to, um, you know, I'm in a strange position where I can feel like that, but I might have to go and talk to, you know, several thousand people about happiness. Um, and if I'm booked into a conference, I can't really just not turn up, or I suppose I could, but there'd be some serious consequences to that. Um, so it's quite strange. And I've literally been in that situation where um, I've been sobbing in tears, you know, spend a whole day just lying, doing nothing, can barely do anything, can barely eat, feel like the absolute most useless, hopeless person in the in the earth. And then something, well, you know, I'll get up and go to that particular event, make a speech, um, and no one will be able to tell. And I, I don't quite know how I do that, to be honest. I suppose it's years of training and years of learning how to put on that brave face. Uh, and I'm not necessarily sure if it's a good thing or not. Um, but I suppose... Um, you know, to go back to Rod's question, I, I have time, you know, regularly have times when I feel I'm going backwards when, um, uh, well, well, actually, I sorry, I don't probably, I probably don't see it as going backwards. I certainly see it as having ups and downs. Um, I, I, I do think I'm continually moving forward. And part of the moving forward is, for me anyway, has been more and more a greater and greater acceptance of the dark side. I suppose what, um, you know, you, you, you've probably heard and your listeners have probably heard that saying there's a fine line between pleasure and pain. Well, I don't think there's a line at all. I think they're intimately integrated. Um, we can't really have pleasure without pain um, and pain can often lead to pleasure. And by that, I mean you know, hard work can lead to achievement of goals, which is very satisfying. Um, so, you know, I guess what I've tried more and more to do uh, is to see that the pain is part of the bigger picture. Pain is part of happiness. Pain is part of a big life. And and that's not, you know, I'm not the first person to think that. I mean, that's one of the central tenets of Buddhism and, you know, and probably other religions as well in a different way. But, um, you know, that's what's, that's hard, but that's what I try to do. So on those deep, dark days when I just feel absolutely hopeless, I suppose what I try to do is say, well, this is, this is part of my life. Um, and it's not all of my life and there's lots of great things as well, but this is just part of who I am. And it's, I guess, without that, um, the good bits wouldn't be there either. When you said there that you, you put on your brave face to go and present to thousands of people or do the work that you do and talk about happiness, even when you're experiencing those moments, maybe some of those mornings, uh, and you said there that, you know, maybe it's not a good thing, but I guess I look at that as saying, well, it, I guess it wouldn't be a good thing if you were never addressing uh, mm. the fact that you felt like that. And, you know, I think it's a, a great example of what you were just saying there that these are moments of your life and you build strength and resilience by putting on that brave face and doing what you need to do and making that impact. And also on the other hand, at the times when you can dealing with it, expressing it to other people and working through it. Yeah. Oh, you're hundred percent right. And yeah, you're right. If, if I wasn't dealing with it at other times, then it would be problematic, but, but it's also part of, I mean, it's, it, it can actually be seen as a, as an example of what we might technically call um, behavioral activation therapy, which is a, a kind of a fancy name for a, a very effective treatment for depression, which is, um, you know, getting up and doing things that um, even if you don't feel like it might bring about pleasure or satisfaction because doing them can actually bring that on. And that, and that certainly works for me. And again, if I, uh, if I don't feel like it, but I'm forced for some reason to attend a, either a work or even sometimes a social event, um, I will often feel better afterwards for a variety of reasons. So yeah, you're right. I mean, forcing yourself sometimes to get, a, get up and do what needs to be done or um, and again, as a result, experiencing some sort of satisfaction or pride or maybe pleasure or enjoyment that 
you were surprised, you maybe you didn't expect it, but that can actually be mood elevating. It can can boost positive emotions that can then hopefully you know create a bit of momentum to allow you to go and do more and more. So so yeah, it is a good thing to do. Um, I'm not suggesting you know well for me anyway. Everyone's a bit different, but for me, you know, if if I lay in bed every time I felt down um that wouldn't be good at all one i'd probably never do anything <laughs> um, but two i'd probably just feel more and more down so it is good to have things that pull me out get me out um and and i, I you know i should say i mean i don't feel that, that those deep dark downs aren't all the time thankfully um so there's a lot of other times in between when i do want to get out and i do enjoy doing things um but certainly at those moments um you're right it can be can be strengthening it can be emboldening what's your belief and understanding around depression and brain chemical imbalances. Uh, now that's another complicated one. <laughs> Where, look, to be perfectly honest, my understanding of the research is we still really don't know. Now that that might be a bit controversial. Uh, well, I, I don't think it's controversial at all. I just think it's a statement that we really don't know as much as we think we know. Uh, there are many people out there who will argue quite strongly that that they do think they know that there are certain brain. Uh, you know, natural neuro, neurotransmitters, um, chemicals, so to speak, in the brain, that if imbalanced, um, you know, so if you have a, a low levels of certain ones or high levels of other ones, um, uh, so the main ones that are talked about are dopamine and serotonin, et cetera. But, um, so some people will say that if you've got too much or too little of one of those, um, that can contribute to depression. But I, I, I believe, um, and, and I've read a lot of the research, that it's, it's not as clear-cut as that. Um, there, there probably is some role of neurotransmitters or brain activity involved, but it's, it's certainly not as simple or clear cut as we might think. And I think there are significant other factors, which are just as, if not more important, like, um, social connectedness, like the quality of our relationships, like, um, I suppose other psychological variables, which, uh, as I said, just as, if not far more important. Yeah. I find that super intriguing actually, because there is a lot of that research that gets thrown around to say, no, this is what it is. It's, uh, you know, mm. not with everyone, but with a lot of people, this is what it is. It's a brain chemical imbalance. And I guess that's why they create the medication. Mm. Well, yeah. And look, look, I think there's a couple of other things to add to that. Firstly, uh, one of the things that's important to state here, if we're, we're mainly talking about depression, I suppose, in, this, in the last few minutes, uh, depression almost certainly isn't just one disorder. There's almost certainly, well, I'd say certainly uh, several types of depression. Um, and that doesn't get talked about enough. You know, we, it's great that we're talking more about depression, but we're really not talking about one thing. And that's why I'm always sort of quite careful when I'm giving my personal story to say, look, you know, what works for me or this works for me? Because uh, what works for me might not work for the next person for a number of reasons. One, we're different people, but two, your depression might be a different type of depression. Um, so there, there may well be types of depression that are more sort of biologically based than others, uh, whereas other types of depression are more sort of socially based or more psychologically based. Um, so I think we need, that's the first thing to recognize. Depression uh, almost certainly isn't just one disorder. The, the other thing is um, that antidepressant medications certainly do work. There's no doubt about that. We've got some good research. Um, but they don't work for everyone. We don't know why they work necessarily. And the fact they work doesn't necessarily mean that those neurotransmitters were the cause in the first place. So that's why I'm, you know, I'm not suggesting uh, that, 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 that chemicals or neurotransmitters don't play a role. All I'm suggesting is that it's, it's, I think it's far more complicated than many people make out. Um, and there are other factors that we, we you know, we, we need not forget about. Yeah, brilliant. Like I said, very intriguing little area. Let's take a little shift uh, from the the depression chat and shift into a little bit of happiness. We spoke about mm. happiness a lot in the first episode, so I didn't want this one to to be all about the same thing. And it's been super intriguing so far, and I think a lot of people will get a lot from it. But we're all enjoying life more when we're happy, obviously. And with the work that you do, keen to sort of hear what's the key message or strategies that you teach people that you find has the greatest impact around their happiness? Oh, well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, and again, at the risk of, I hope I'm not getting boring here, the, the risk of repeating myself. Um, I, I will say again, that different things will work for different people. Um, so, you know, what, what really works for me and, and helps me feel happier and enjoy life more won't be exactly the same for you or for, for the listeners out there. But but that being said, there are some, I guess, what I call some big guns, I suppose, some common ones. And if I had to sort of, you know, nail the top few, 
it would be things like, well, if, if I could probably say the number one would be social connectedness or a sense of belonging. And this, you know, more and more of the research over the last decade or so just, just continues to come back to this idea that, you know, we, we don't live in isolation, that happiness, real happiness is not just about me, me, me. Uh, real happiness isn't hedonism or, or selfishness. Um, it's very much, you know, much more so about, you know, the quality of our relationships, our intimate relationships with our uh, husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or children, you know, those really intimate close ones, uh, then our family, but then also, our, you know, our good friends and our work colleagues. And this is really, when you look at the, the best moments in life, when you talk to people about their happiest moments, that almost invariably, almost always come back to interactions with other people that, you know, feeling like we, we belong. Um, now you don't need, you know, despite the sort of trends in social media in recent years, you don't need hundreds of friends. You don't need thousands of friends or connections. You really only need a couple. Um, but what we, you know, we do need to feel, I suppose, that we're loved. We need to be able to love others. Um, and the flip side of that is that loneliness and isolation uh, are bad for our health, you know, are not good for our health. So, so that's probably, probably number one for happiness, health, well-being is about relationships connectedness all of that sort of stuff um uh some of the other ones that are very important are meaning and purpose so you know i think we all need a reason to get out of bed in the morning we need to have a reason to, to get up and do things now for some people that might be grand you know changing the world making the world a better place sort of thing for other people it might just be um and i don't mean just in a pejorative way but you know being the best person i can be being the best friend being the best mom or dad but whatever it is um we need some sort of you know, driving motivation um uh and that means you know not everything we do to achieve that will be pleasurable or enjoyable you know sometimes we just got to work hard to achieve a goal but that's worth it in the end because it's um you know it, it's satisfying so so i think that's important as well meaning and purpose uh, physical health and well-being is, is very um you know, very much underestimated. I think we, well, so we, we know the benefits of exercise and diet for our physical bodies, and, and you know that as well or better than anyone, I suppose. But what a lot of people don't realise are the psychological benefits as well, that, you know, exercise is a, a potent stress buster, a great mood enhancer, that diet's increasingly being recognised as important for our psychological well-being as well as our physical well-being and, and things like sleep even, um, as I'm sure you know. Or, um, you know, these are all very important for our, uh, a psychological health as well so taking care of our physical health shouldn't be um seen as just a physical uh strategy or a group of physical strategies and then um i mean there are lots of others but one other big one that comes to mind i suppose is gratitude um you know, focusing more on what we have and less on what we don't have i think as i said a bit earlier i and i think probably you know the majority of our listeners live a pretty good life and and i don't mean look i don't know who's listening out there and I'm, I'm not suggesting in any way that their lives are perfect in fact i'm sure like me and like you they all have their problems and challenges and i'm sure some people are facing adversity but um you know the fact that someone's listening to a, an audio file probably on some sort of computer or smartphone means that they're you know probably better off than a couple of billion other people who who don't have that sort of technology who don't have the time to listen to it um, who might not know where their next meal's coming from, who don't have a roof over their head, you know, whose kids don't get education. So, um, you know, the fact that we have some things that other people would only dream about, drinkable water, food, etc., cetera, um, we, we often take these things for granted and many other things. Um, but we know that the happiest people don't take these things for granted. The happiest people tend, um, you know, to be much more satisfied and much more gain a lot more appreciation and thankfulness from the things they have in their lives. And, and as a result, they tend to want a lot less. Um, you know, this is one of the major causes of unhappiness is continually desiring what we don't have. Well, yeah, maybe we don't need all that stuff. In the Instagram post that I read out, you mentioned kindness and you also tagged a good mutual friend of ours, Kath Cashel from the Kindness Factory. To me, it's extremely obvious, but how do you see kindness playing its part in not just happiness but overall health? Yeah, very much so, and that's something. Um, it, it's actually riding a bit of a wave of popularity at the moment, which is great, I think. So kindness and compassion, which are 
kind of closely related. Um, and that's both kindness to others and to ourselves. This is important too, actually. I think self-kindness is a very, and self-compassion are very important um, uh, attributes that we need to try and foster and develop as well. But, but where they fit in is, is going back to that idea of connectedness. I mean, to be kind to other people, we need to recognize that other person. We need to see them. We need to see their needs. We need to empathize with them. And by engaging in an act of kindfulness, we're building those relationships. We're building bonds. We're, you know, realizing that that you know that the world is bigger than just me as an individual. Um, so I see, yeah, kindness and compassion, uh, super useful, super important strategies, um, very much connected to, very much related to that idea of of um, belonging and relationships, which I referred to earlier. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, Timbo, we could chat for hours, probably days actually. There's plenty <laughs> of things that we could dive into and uh, we'll wrap it up with a few last questions. But first of all, can you remind the listeners where they can find you online to follow everything that you do and then how can i and the listeners help you on your journey oh cool um uh well the simplest place is probably uh, just my simple website which is www.drhappy.com.au so d-r-h-a-p-p-y.com.au um and that will have links to my social media pages so if you're on twitter it's dr happy if you're on instagram it's the happiness institute uh and facebook's the happiness institute as well so you'll find links there um, yes, yeah, so I come along, join on the social media platforms. Um, uh, I don't try to sell anything. Um, it's just really about trying to spread some positive messages of inspiration as, as best I can um, and help people by sharing you know, stories of resilience and, um, and kindness, uh, as we've talked about today. Uh, how can you help me? Uh, how can you help me? Well, um, I guess you know, that's a really interesting question and, and, and thanks for the opportunity. I guess um, how everyone out there can help is by also spreading um, happiness and positivity uh, in their own way. Uh, and I say that because, um, you know, it's very interesting. Um, I, I was actually just listening to a podcast early today from an interview with Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter. Um, and one of their big concerns at the moment is the quality of the conversations. I mean, that's a Twitter's whole reason for being is supposedly to have um, have great conversations to help people learn more about the world and converse more with other people. But one of their big concerns at the moment are toxic conversations, you know, the amount of hatred and, and bullying, I suppose, and, and nastiness. Um, uh, and so it was, a, it was actually a very fascinating discussion listening to what they're trying to do to, to improve that. And they've actually, they're already taking some, some really positive steps, which is quite, um, uh, you know, which, which brings me some hope. But I think what, you know, it's very easy to get sucked into that negativity. It's very easy to criticise um, people we don't like or people we disagree with. It's very easy to, you know, to fire back a tweet or a, a comment and say, you know, that's stupid or that's horrible or whatever. But what I'd like to see more of is more, you know, more positive co- comments. Let's celebrate what's great. Let's highlight the people doing good things. Let's let's share the positive, inspirational, um, you know, stuff as much as we. Um, you know, we might still want to comment on the other ones, but let's let's raise the profile. Let's raise the uh, the ratio of positives to negatives. And I think if we if we could do that, then, then that can actually make a significant difference to not just the online world, but the, the quality of people's lives outside of that. Yeah, I love it. I always say that social media is can be used for such powerful, impactful, inspiring, positive things. So I'm with you on that mm. one, and I'll help do that, and I'll link everything up. In <laughs> show notes so everyone can help spread your positive and happy messages. And speaking of that line of uh, spreading the happiness and the positivity, one of my top core values is giving. And as you know, I give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value on the podcast. Last time I gave you one of our charity teas from the Life Teas range. And this time, what I'd love to give you, Tim, is I'm going to donate one of my mental strength training online programs to someone I would love you to choose, someone who you believe would benefit from it. Maybe it's someone in the charity of Batir, someone that you see working tirelessly. Maybe it's a youth, maybe a random giveaway to someone in your community just to help to spread that positivity and that that happiness as you were discussing. Oh, thanks, mate. That's very generous of you. And uh, that's wonderful. I'll, I'll give some thought to who who would most benefit from it. But I, um, you know, you're uh, yeah, you're, you're one of those people we need to celebrate more. Who's constantly trying to um, you know help other people, make life better. Um, and and you know the, the fact is there are lots of people like you and and dare I say it like myself out there. But um, 
sadly, I think some of the some of the negative voices seem a bit louder sometimes. So if we can if we can all share more of this um, uh, awesome <laughs> making life awesome for more people, um, well then every everyone benefits. And I don't think I don't think that's uh, you know a surprising thing to. to to predict. Yeah, absolutely. A big part of the reason why I still proudly, happily and enjoyably do this podcast too is to help mm. those kind of messages get out there. Now, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners or is there anything you would like to ask me? i just like to say thanks again for the opportunity, Robbo, and um, thanks to everyone who's listening. I think uh, I'm sure if you've been listening to, to, to these podcasts for a while now, you know how how amazing some of the guests are and, and, and how much I'm sure you'll all benefit from listening. So keep supporting uh, Brett and um, uh, hopefully I'll catch up with you when you come back uh, down under in a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I do love <laughs> our catch-ups. I need to get in back into the Batir office too, so I'll be in Sydney, <laughs> but we'll definitely touch base. I might even bring the newborn to you uh, when we're back in after July and you can uh, remember how to change some nappies. It's probably been a while for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd love to meet the little, uh, the new little addition, new little Robbo. <laughs> Absolutely, Doctor Happy, you're a legend. Your vulnerability and depth of work is saving and changing people's lives. The world is a much happier place because of your presence. Keep shining your happy and impactful light to the world, my man. Uh, thanks, and you too, mate. Get back at you. There you go, guys. I trust you gained some value from this legend again. Make sure you follow Dr. Happy on the social media platforms and help him spread his messages of happiness, positivity, inspiration, and awesomeness. Check out the show notes of this episode for all of his social media tags, his website where you can purchase his books, and also some of the organizations that he mentioned that you can reach out to for support. Also, remember to come and join us and engage in some positivity and value in the private Facebook group for your chance to win some coaching with me, as mentioned in the intro, and there'll be some other random giveaways from time to time. You can join that group by jumping onto Facebook and searching the group section for Your Life of Impact podcast community. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.